Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, we want to thank you today for once again this opportunity to gather in your house and to sing your praises and to declare our love and adoration for you. And God, this morning we pray that our worship is acceptable in your sight. And God, this morning as we turn our attention to your holy word, Father, we pray that, uh, that we would hear from you. God, we pray that your word would find a good place in our hearts And God, I do ask that the word, the message that I believe you've placed upon my heart for this church would be like spiritual food that will grow us, that will strengthen us so that we can make a difference with the good news in our community, our nation and our world. God, this morning we invite you to have your way amongst us by your Holy Spirit. Do a work in our heart and in our lives, we pray. God, help us to shift the way we look at the things or shift our minds from the way we look at the things of this world to what has true value, what has true meaning. God, we invite you to do a work in this place, I pray. And as always, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, a young man once asked God what a million years was like to him. And God replied to this young man and said, a million years is like just one second. You know, the young man then thought about that for a second and then he asked, well, what is a million dollars like to you, God? And God said, well, a million dollars is like one cent. And then the young man thought about this a bit more and then he asked, well, God, can I please have one cent? And then God said, sure, just wait one second. You know, in the world today, in the world today, there is a growing issue around the topic of greed. And this morning, I believe that God has placed upon my heart a message that's going to help us avoid the dangers of greed. You know, the Bible contains more than 2,000 references to both money and possessions. And in fact, Jesus Christ himself spoke more about money and possessions than about heaven and hell combined. And in 16 of his 38 parables, Jesus teaches into and he talks about the challenges of both money and possessions and, of course, wealth. Why? Well, it's simple, because all of us live in one of two tents, either discontent or content. When our yearning exceeds our earning, it will fuel within us a desire for more and the grass will always look greener on the other side. Therefore, I believe this morning God's got a message for us around this issue and this topic of greed. And sadly, in today's world, there is an understanding that one, if not many, would find true happiness in some kind of person, profession, or possession, hence the need for Jesus to address the issue of greed in this world and in our lives. And today, I want to talk about avoiding the dangers of greed. 
If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. And I'm going to be looking at the parable of the rich fool. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, download a copy of the Bible called the Version app from the App Store, uh, for those of you with an iPhone. Uh, if you don't have an iPhone, uh, just get a life, pretty much. Um, but you can download it there. But if you don't have an iPhone or any other phone, the words will be available to you on the screen as well. We are looking at the parable of the rich fool and continuing our parable series. Let me read Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, that is Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. May God add his blessing to that reading here this morning. As I mentioned, church, we are continuing our parable sermon series. And essentially, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly truth. And as Kath reminded us last week, you know, the first 12 chapters uh, of this particular book, you know, Jesus is going around doing his thing, right? He came to the earth in dramatic fashion. He began to teach. He'd done signs and wonders. He healed people. He was really driving home this point that he was someone that we needed to listen to and pay attention to. And then in chapter 12, there's like this shift where he starts to use parables, earthly stories to provide a heavenly truth. And the same goes for this story right here in Luke chapter 12. And by this point, Jesus had a following, man, like hundreds, literally thousands of people began to flock wherever he was to hear what he had to say about the kingdom of heaven. And you remember last week when Kath spoke, she she reminded us that the kingdom of heaven is where the Creator reigns and rules. It's where the blessings of our Heavenly Father flows. It's, It's a place, a geographical place, where those who call themselves children of God will get to spend eternity. As we think about this kingdom of heaven and as Jesus preached and taught around the region, yeah, he, he raised some concerns. He spoke into some of the dangers that can rise in our lives, that can really put our place in the kingdom of heaven at risk. And friends, one of those concerns, one of those dangers is the danger of greed. 
In fact, in this, in this, uh, this passage that we're reading just before it, Jesus is talking about a whole bunch of things, but then he kind of highlights two major concerns, two dangers, two risks that are associated with our place in the kingdom of heaven. One is hypocrisy and the other one is greed. And then in this parable, like this situation where he then provides a parable, uh, it seems like Jesus is wanting to do a number of things in the hearts and in the minds of those who are there present with him at that time. And I reckon one of the things that Jesus is wanting to do, the foundation, that which underpins his, his, his response to what's happening here and then the sharing of the parable, is that he is wanting those in attendance to understand the limitations of wealth. Understand the limitations of wealth. You know, when I think, you know, when we talk about avoiding the dangers of greed, one of the important places to start is with an understanding of the limitations of wealth. You know, when, uh, when the crowds gathered and when this man who asked this question, which seems to come out of left field, and I'll talk about that more in a second, I reckon that which is underpinning all of that is Jesus wanting to shift their thinking from what they possess here and now to what is to come. And in so doing, he begins with this heart that says, man, if you only knew the limitations of wealth, it will help you to become rich toward God or rich in the things of God. But an understanding of the limitations of wealth is a great thing to keep in mind when avoiding the risks of greed. You know, research studies, numerous ones, and because I'm an academic, you know, I plowed through research papers. I'm not an academic. That was a joke, by the way. Thanks for the subtle little smiles that I see scattered across the church. Uh, But research shows that having more can actually lead to improved happiness, but only to a point. Research also suggests that once your income exceeds the six-figure mark, you can't expect to get any happier from having more. And when we take ownership of something, we quickly adjust to the reality of having it, reducing the happiness that we experienced when we received whatever it was or whenever we purchased that item, and that thing then becomes the new normal. And as a result of that, our aspiration level shifts We look for an upgrade, we look for a new model, and we find ourselves on what Nobel Prize winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman calls the satisfaction treadmill. Who here likes a good workout? (laughs) The satisfaction treadmill. You should see the working out that I've been doing lately in the gym. It's probably not as good as I'm making it out to be. But this whole thing where if we pursue possessions or, or people or professions as our source of happiness, research tells us that those things may improve our happiness, but only to a point and only for a time. But sadly, there is something within us that's going to, that's you know, go back to the emotional state we were when we first took ownership of whatever that possession, profession or person was. You know, the scientific term for this is called the hedonistic adaption. But I'd like to propose or suggest another option, and it's straight up greed. Straight up greed. The fact that we pursue, we receive, 
There may be some enjoyment for a while, but over time, that enjoyment subsides, it, it, it declines, and we find ourselves back at the same position. Research also says that those who have won lotteries have, have testified that 18 months later, they found themselves in the same emotional position that they did at the time of their winning. You know, there, is a, there are limitations to wealth that can improve things, but only to a certain point. And sadly, this understanding can also be applied not only to our possessions, but also to people and professions. You know, if we look to people, professions, and possessions as that which is going to provide us true happiness, well, we might find ourselves on the satisfaction treadmill, and I'm telling you, you're not going to get buffed on that piece of gym equipment. There is, an under, there is a limitation to our wealth. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. You know, money can buy medicine, but it can't buy health. You know, it can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. You know, it can buy entertainment, but it can't buy happiness. It can buy companionship, but it cannot buy friendship. It can buy a bed, but it cannot buy rest. And it can buy a crucifix, but it cannot buy a saviour. You know, when it comes to money, possessions, wealth, we are being told to watch out for all forms of greed. And one of the ways to avoid the dangers of greed is to understand the limitations of wealth. You know, I think Jesus then moves to another point in this conversation with his listeners and with this man who seems to ask a question out of left field, where he encourages and he advises more so the man in his parable, or sorry, the man who asked the question, to set his mind on the things above. Set his mind on the things above. You know, Jesus shifts his thinking from what he can possess now to things that are of true value and importance in the eyes of God. You know, Jesus had just been talking about uh, the authority of God and hypocrisy and false religion and the importance of the Holy Spirit and all these cool things. But then all of a sudden, this man out of left field asks this question that seems to have no place within the narrative of what Jesus is doing and saying. He's like, all of a sudden, he pipes up and he says, Jesus, or teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Verse 13. What a random question, completely off topic, but that was what Jesus was confronted with. And it just proves and shows that this man had no interest in the spiritual he didn't care about false teachers. He didn't care about the sovereignty of God. He didn't care about the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't care about the Son of Man confessing before the angels. He didn't care about what he couldn't see. He didn't care about heaven. He was into earth. This man was a materialist, greedy, covetous, and all he wanted was this Jesus, who he believed to have some kind of power and authority, to tell his brother to give him his money. That was all he was concerned about at the time. At the time. In ancient Israel, there were laws around inheritance. 
you know, the passing of a father would generally hand over his estate to the oldest son. And then the oldest son would manage and caretake the estate. He would use the wealth that's generated from it to support the entire family, the whole family. So when responding to this man out of left field with a question about a, uh, an evolving law of Israel, about a question that flows out of his greed, Jesus addresses the complexities of this question by saying, man, and you know what? That's kind of the interpretation I want to take on this word man. It's not just man. It's man. Are you serious? Because Jesus has got a bit of swagger, if you ask me. So I reckon he's responding with, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter, which is a mediator between you, in verse 14. And essentially what Jesus is saying here is that he is disinterested in these forever evolving laws of the land, but he is more interested and he speaks into the spiritual And then he says those words, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Essentially, he's saying to this man, hey, look, come on now. You need to understand the limitations of wealth, but we need to start thinking about what is of true value. We need to move our eyes off the fact that you are rightfully owed part of an inheritance, but you have to set your mind on the things above. You know, look at the things that make you rich toward the things of God. There's a shift, and I reckon in that shift and in this teaching, once again, we are avoiding the risk of greed or the dangers of greed. That was the shift that was happening, setting his mind on the things above. And then Jesus goes into the parable of the rich fool which I reckon is all about investing in kingdom business. It's all about investing in kingdom business. Let's read the parable again from verse 16. Everyone okay? Everyone with me? Awesome, beautiful. Because there's been a lot of sport on lately, so I don't know if anyone else here is fatigued by watching all the cricket and the basketball and the rugby. We all good? Fantastic, fantastic. Let me read from verse 16. This is the parable that Jesus chose to share at this point of the encounter. Jesus says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Who loves to eat, drink, and be merry around here? Yeah, look, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. However, God said to him, this particular person, if you like to eat, drink, and be merry, I'm not saying this is for you. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'll let the Holy Spirit work that out. But essentially, God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward the things of God. I think to put it in layman terms, Jesus is suggesting that storing treasure for ourselves on this earth is foolish. And in particular, the rich fool who has been mentioned in this parable, he hadn't even considered God 
And that one day he's gonna have to face God and confess that he's done absolutely nothing with his resources, with his wealth and with his possessions. And if I was to go one more level down and and in layman's terms explain what this parable is about, you know, I could say that the whoever dies with the most toys still dies. The one who desires more loses all. That's probably the basis of what is going on here because life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. However, however, I would like us to understand and get our heads around the fact that wealth and possessions in themselves are not sinful. And I like to say that because I'm an extremely wealthy guy and I don't like to be challenged on that. I'm just kidding. I'm not wealthy. I drive a Kia Rio. But the reality is, wealth and possessions in themselves are not sinful. If you look throughout Scripture, there are a number of examples or people who had great wealth. Abraham, Job, Solomon. Go over to the New Testament. You know, those who had homes big enough to, to, you know, uh, to hold home church, uh, house churches. You know, they were large homes, so they too would have been wealthy. You think of Joseph of Arimathea. You know, we sung about that just a couple of minutes ago. We laid him down in Joseph's tomb. Gee, I've got a good voice. I should start leading as well. You know, but we, you know that, that's Joseph Arimathea. And if you don't know much about his story, he was actually a part of the Sanhedrin, a part of the Jewish council. But he was a secret follower of Jesus. And when Jesus was crucified for a whole bunch of things, but we know for the sins of the world, at risk to himself, Joseph of Arimathea went to the Romans and obtained the body of Jesus. He prepared it for burial, and then he laid the body of Jesus in his own tomb, which was actually quite a luxurious tomb. That's not the best way of describing it. A large tomb, (laughs) one that I've actually been in. Well, uh, while I'm on it, well, I believe so. In the garden tomb over just outside the old wall, the old uh, city of Jerusalem, uh, there is a tomb there which does, you know, the, the makeup of it does meet the criteria of, uh, of a rich man's tomb. Anyway, Joseph of Arimathea, who was wealthy, gave his tomb as a place for Jesus to rest after he was crucified. So there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing sinful in having possessions itself. The sin is not in having much, but being discontent. The sin is not in having wealth, but in what we do with it. It's not the amount, it's the attitude that goes with it. Founder of Methodism, John Wesley, uh, one of my homeboys, by the way, love love John O. Uh, He says this, gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Yeah, when it comes to the way God blesses us and what he provides us with, some may have less than others and vice versa, and and that can be okay. But it's all about our approach to the resources God gives us. How do we avoid greed and and the overaccumulation of things and storing things up for ourselves here on earth instead of being rich toward the things of God? I reckon an understanding of the limitations of wealth is one thing. I think setting our minds on the things above is the second thing. And I think realizing that our resources, be it small or big, can be and should be invested in the lives of other people. 
helping other people to receive healing and wholeness, helping other people to move toward their God-given purpose, helping people to learn more about God's love for them in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You know, when we invest in those things, when we give to those things, we are about kingdom stuff. That's kingdom currency. And when we do so, we become rich towards the things of God. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of our possessions. It consists in our involvement and our investment in kingdom business. Now, as I was writing this message, you know, I was thinking, how am I, what's the challenge for us as a church? You know, what's the takeaway? Why do I want to encourage us as a church to come before God with and then apply and move forward? And I came to the realisation, not a realisation, I was reminded of the fact that Gateway is a generous church. Even in the 15, 16 months that we have been a church right here at Gateway Redlands, I have seen your generosity in a number of ways. You know, obviously I get to see the income through your faithful, regular giving to this campus you know, and then we think about Gateway Beyond Month and how earlier this year we raised $1.1 million uh, to, consider, to continue the work we're doing in our community, our nation, and our world. Think about Thanksgiving Day, you know, when we all came forward and brought red bags filled with items to stock the shelves at our care centre. You now we think about our Christmas appeals that we do every year. You now we've built hospitals and schools and rescue centres all around the world. Gateway is a generous church. And I really want to honour you as a church for that. And I want to encourage you to keep going. But you're a generous church. And for that, I'm grateful. But I reckon there is a bit of a challenge within some of us, not around this idea of, of investing in kingdom business, but our capability or how much we're able to invest in kingdom business. Man, I'd go out on a limb and I'd say there'd be a lot of you in this room who would probably do more if you could. You know, you've got a generous heart. You've been good stewards of what God gives you. And you're looking at looking after yourself and the family, which is important. Remember in Proverbs, those who can't provide for their families are worse than unbelievers. Whew, that knocks you straight between the eyes. So there's that important part, but then you want to know, well, I'd love to give more. I don't think the issue is, would you? It's probably more about how. I think that's the challenge. And I reckon what I call financial stewardship comes into play right here. And that is looking at all that God's given to us, utilizing people in our church family that can help us budget and save so that we can get a really good picture on where we currently sit and stand and therefore give to whatever kingdom business God is calling you to give. Okay, I'm not telling you to give me money today. Please don't think that. I'm not even asking you to do that. But I reckon it's how we do that. You know, here, as you know, our Christians Against Poverty ministry, which helps people with budgeting and saving, I think is one of the best ways to do financial stewardship, to look at what we've got, to get it all in the right place, and therefore have the ability to be as generous as God is calling us to be. You know, Phil Hill and a bunch of other people from Gateway as a whole are offering that ministry, and uh, it's there for us as the people of God to utilize. And can I say... Can I say, I've used CAP before, and uh, it's been a huge blessing to me. 
And, uh, you know, it's enabled me and my family to get together and get ahead in a lot of different ways. It's enabled us to continue the giving that we do, not just here, um, but also outside of even Gateway. Uh, and, and it's been great. But you all know how I love to confess stuff, right? You all getting used to that by now? Sorry about that Father's Day thing a couple of weeks ago, by the way. But you all know how I love to confess things around here. Let me tell you what my greatest challenge is when it comes to good financial stewardship and giving as much as I possibly can to kingdom business. You want to know what my biggest challenge is? Facebook Marketplace. Can I get an amen? Come on now, church. Can I get an amen? Facebook Marketplace. I have searched high and low as to how I can remove Facebook Marketplace from my Facebook profile. I think whoever runs that thing is paying Facebook big money so that it's a part of Facebook as a whole. Because I'm telling you, I've got items saved. I've got search categories saved. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. If you open up my Facebook profile and hit Facebook Marketplace icon, you're just going to see Jordans and Nikes and Cons and Adidas all the way down. Um, and uh, and the, the funny thing is, I got busted, right? I, I, I ordered a couple of things on Facebook Marketplace last week and uh, not realising, I put it into my calendar and, uh, and then I forgot that the calendar is a shared calendar with my wife. Uh, not that I was hiding it from my wife, I just hadn't thought about it. And then anyway, I got a call from my beautiful wife a little bit later. It's like, oh, how was your day today, honey? I'm like, yeah, good, thanks. It's good, you know, just sharing the gospel and doing what I do, you know. It's like, okay, how's that selfie stick and that new pair of Jordans? I'm like, what? How did you know? It was in the calendar. I'm like, oh, okay. That was a Holy Spirit moment for me. And, uh, and I, should, I should also say, it wasn't a selfie stick. It's like a filming, recording kind of thing. What? Someone's laughing as if to say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's church abuse right there. But, that, that, you know, I, I am going to confess this morning. I spend too much time on Facebook Marketplace. So here's why I'm sharing it with you. I want you to hold me accountable for my use on Facebook Marketplace. When you see me here on a Sunday, you know, not only do I want you to say, Jace, it's so good to see you. You're my favourite pastor in the world and stuff like that. Ask me, how much have you been on Facebook Marketplace lately? And if I've been on it just once, I'll buy you a coffee. All right. Oh, actually, I just put myself in a really dangerous position there. It's probably about 240 coffees coming my way. But, um, but yeah, but just little things like that, right? can actually get in the way of good financial stewardship and hinder the level of generosity we can contribute to kingdom business. Right? And, and whatever level of investment you decide for kingdom business is your decision. Wherever you choose to, to invest, that's yeah, your business. That's between you and God. You know, I'm not trying to ram anything into your throat. I'm just saying that based on this parable where Jesus talks about or talks to a man who out of left field says, man, help me to get my money. You know, Jesus addresses the issue that smack bang in the middle there. It's the issue of greed. He says, watch out. Beware. 
of all forms of greed. There are many of all forms of greed. I think there's a great risk there to our place in the kingdom of heaven as well. How, how can we avoid the risk? Well, firstly, I think we just continue to develop an understanding of the limitations of wealth. Let's set our mind on the things above, right? And that includes the inheritance that we will receive one day as the children of God. But when we consider the parable, the parable of the rich fool, one who desires more will lose all. To store up treasure here on this earth is considered foolish. In order to be rich toward the things of God, I believe God wants you to take care of yourself, take care of your family in in responsible ways, but He also wants us to invest in kingdom business. How can we use whatever we have, big or small, to share the life-changing message of Jesus, to help people who are in need, to see people move toward the things of God? How can we do that? You know, that's the prayer that I believe we as church should be offering up to God today. Can I give you just 30 seconds right where you are just to bow your head and close your eyes and just ask God by His Spirit to speak to you about your resource and how you can use it for the betterment of those around you, for kingdom purposes, for eternal reasons. Just just spend a bit of time doing that right now. Would you stand with me this morning, church, as we begin to uh, land our service? And as we do, I just want to speak very quickly to perhaps one, two, maybe a few of you here today. I want to land this message with this statement. Our purpose is not what we have, but who we know. Our purpose is not what we have, but who we know. And, and today I want to speak to anyone in this room who may currently still be searching for happiness in people, professions, or possessions. Now, perhaps at one point in your life, uh, actually at no point in your life, have you ever turned to Jesus as the true source of happiness? You haven't turned to Jesus to find your purpose, but instead you're still looking for your happiness and your purpose in either a person, a profession, or a possession. You know, if that's you this morning, can I tell you that the only place that's going to lead you to is an endless workout on the satisfaction treadmill. It's the only place it's going to lead you. And today I want you to know that Jesus invites you into a place of rest, into a place of abundance where you will find true happiness, where you will find your purpose in Jesus' name. So if you've never at any point in your life turned to Jesus 
and received all that He has for you by faith. This morning, can I get you just to pop your hand up in the sky right now? I'm just going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. But if you want to make that decision, you're going to say, God, you know, I'm finished searching for happiness and purpose and people and possessions and professions and all that. I'm going to give my life to you. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Uh, don't worry about the people around. Don't worry about them. They're going to cheer you on. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer this morning. Anyone here? want to make that decision for the first time today. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else here this morning that wants to pray a prayer with me that says, Jesus, I'm done with the satisfaction treadmill. Done with it. I want to find all that you have in me this morning. Anyone else want to pray that prayer? Awesome. Yeah, thank you. There's another one. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, for those of you who have raised your hands, I'm just going to pray. And I want you just to uh, repeat after me in your own heart or, uh, or verbally. It's up to you. And the rest of the church is going to join you uh, as we pray what I believe is going to be a life-changing prayer in your life. So uh, let's pray. And for those of you who responded, pray after me. So Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. I confess my sin this morning, the sin of not trusting you or following you. And this morning I ask for forgiveness. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Saviour come into my life and to fill me with your peace and your purpose I'm a child of God I'm a part of your family I'm ready for whatever you have for me in Jesus name Amen Amen Hey church can we put our hands together for our two new brothers and sisters in the faith. If you prayed that prayer for the first time between now and the end of the service, a friendly member of our welcome team in a blue shirt is going to give you a little gift. So if you get a tap on the shoulder, please don't get a shock. they got a little gift for you that's going to help you take your first step towards discovering all that Jesus has for you. And uh, we're going to champion you we're going to cheer you on. We're going to bless you. It's a good Sunday. This is a good Sunday. Why don't we sing the desire of our heart as a church? One of the best ways to avoid the dangers of greed, and that is to have a heart that says, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. Let's sing this We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family, and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.